This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to iFanboy Talks Flow, Justice for Hire with Neil Adam, John Machado, and Jan Lucanis. Hey, welcome to another edition of iFanboy Talks Explode. My name is Ron Richards, and we're following up on our previous Talks Explode, focusing on Justice for Hire, the action-packed mixed martial arts, espionage, comic story that you can read up on graphically right now. Um, this time around, we're talking with uh, Justice for Hire creator Jan Lucanis, along with comics legend Neil Adams and lead animator Zach Shelton. And we're also talking with uh, the master of mixed martial arts, John Machado. Uh, we first start off with John Machado and Jan Lucanis talking about the important role of mixed martial arts in Justice for Hire, and later on we'll be talking with Neil Adams and Zach Shelton about motion comics and animation. So I am here with uh, Professor of Martial Arts, John Machado. How you doing, John? Hey, how you doing? Good. And uh, here with uh, Jan Lucanis from Justice for Hire. How's it going, Jan? You're doing fantastic, Ron. Excellent. So we are here to talk about Justice for Hire as well and its uh, connection to martial arts and mixed martial arts. Um, and John, I'd like to start talking to you about what kind of drew you to, uh, to comics? Oh, it's like, a, a, like every child. I think, uh, when, uh, you, you're growing up, I developed that, uh, passion since kid reading comics back in Brazil. So everything from the Marvel comics to the Brazilian comics that they had about, uh, some like uh, this group of kids, you know what I mean? That would do uh, like a pack of kids that would go and do have different adventures and everything. I read everything from Tarzan, the older versions, the Tarzan, Edgar Rice Burroughs to Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, all that stuff. So I liked. I'm a storyteller and I like good stories. So that kind of was my, my. I think the seed until. Of course, I meet Jen here. 
back in uh you gotta help me Jim, 2005 or 2000 yeah about 2005 yeah um, i was on a tai chi push hands uh team and my dad and i got uh recruited onto it in 04 um the william chen team and our coach josh waitskin who you know was already a, a well-known chess champion and uh you know he just became this this incredible martial artist and uh tai chi was his base style and he was also training in brazilian jiu-jitsu so after doing um some intense work with him on the on the push hand side of things he really got me into doing into doing some brazilian jiu-jitsu with him and and, uh the the assistant coach and they brought me out to to train with their teacher john machado and uh that's that's how it all started and and uh you know eventually we started talking about um justice for hire and comic books and it doing a you know a comic uh, with the professor as well called Fascia Preta, which uh, which we have out now as well, and and yeah, just continue to evolve and and learning a uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu just expanded my own uh, my own stand up game, uh, stand up fighting game uh, to uh, to have a somewhat of a grasp of a, a the ground fighting game, which John Matado is a master of. Cool. Yeah. What what uh, what uh, so when I met Jan. Back, uh, he came to visit Los Angeles and uh, work on his project. And I think it was very early on, he was uh, getting his company started. And what really impressed me about Jan, I see this young man with, uh, you know, that spark in his eyes, you know, with his dream and uh, with all that drive, you know, that he wants, I want to, I'll be a director, I have this company, I'll build this, and I'll have comic books, and we're going to do animation we're gonna do it i mean i was really impressed by that you know mm-hmm. a guy in that young age with all that drive and i remember that time he he was barely starting he had like a the first uh storyline i mean a, a small little comic of the i believe of the first issue at that time of just for hire yeah that was a little, a little pre-ash <laughs> can actually <laughs> yeah it, it's like if you look at today it's unbelievable what, what happened so far with all the different comics, uh, the, the the whole series, uh, scripts, and these uh, animation. Fasha Preta came to life, and many other titles came to life. So it's uh, getting bigger and stronger every day. So that's how we we got it on. That sounds great. So now, so now, uh, John, your involvement with the uh, with the Justice for Hire, you know, in, in terms of you you have a role in both the animation and the upcoming live action anime um, adaptation. How does um, how have you been able to take your experience with your um, with your martial arts uh, experience and apply that to a action choreography kind of scenario? Yeah. So as the project developer, Gina uh, approached me and said, "Look, I have a character for you." So that uh, Ram. Who the character? It's, it's an amazing character, which uh, because of the the range that he goes, you know what I mean. He's not really a bad guy, but he can be a good guy too. So I love that. So it's up to the. Let's see how it's gonna come out, but it's a very challenging character. And the idea, in a, I think every every person pretty much, it's a martial artist in this company. So. I think that's the, the, the core or idea is that you, you, you have people that know what they are talking about, what they are doing. So it's a, so the, when it comes to the fight idea, we want to keep without ego, you know, we're just going to add different ideas 
to come up the most realistic ideas possible. At the same time, entertain, but the most realistic as possible. Right. So my, I'll bring my background, my idea, to the rest of the team. So it's not only me. You know what I mean? I want to add to the to the idea, to the group. Sure. Yeah. Everyone should know that that, that the professor trains like special forces and all this other stuff. It's it's uh, you know his his um. The wealth of information that he has on, on realistic combat scenarios is incredible. Wow, it's amazing. So, so now, ha- but so now, how does you know working with the special forces, you know, or or with with the you know UFC fighters and and stuff like that? How does that translate to doing you know kind of choreography for uh, for a comic book and then for the the animation side of things? No, I think everything. Uh, you you can be a great martial artist, but if you don't have any idea about camera work, and it it won't look good. Right. So I think it's a combination of you, you knowing martial arts and working with a group that understands the, the camera work and the editing aspect to make it... Um, so that translates to the comics as well. The way the comic fights, the way the, you know I mean, the characters are fighting can be in, a, in the comic or in the animation, uh, comes from the knowledge of... Uh, of the author, of the writer, of the creator. So it relates to that as well. You've got to have an idea how that's going to look. If you don't have the camera eye, it's very hard. So some people, they think, oh, I have a great idea. But when the camera perspective doesn't look good. So I think my experience through these years working in movies, from small movies to bigger movies, and involved in choreography, fight scenes, yeah, working for amazing, amazing choreographers, amazing martial artists. Yeah. It gave me a keen eye to help put together. You see, I think I believe in teamwork. If you prepare a fighter today, for example, let's say a UFC champion, you have you have a good uh, conditioning coach, you have a good stand-up coach. So the styles can vary, but a good stand-up. You have a good ground coach, in this case the, the jiu-jitsu, so he can work on his back and work the submissions. You have a good wrestling coach, so he can work on his takedowns. Isn't any more one, my student against, uh, you know, I mean the world. No, you have a team of people working. So I think the movies, uh, that's the same idea. So when you are working for ourselves or we are working for an actor, you have a team of people to help that actor, just like a fighter, to perform his best. That's great. So now, so now, Jan, you know, in terms of taking uh, Justice for Hire and adding in, you know, martial arts and mixed martial arts, you know, how how is how do you bridge the gap between uh, what you've learned from from John from the professor um, into the kind of uh, comic world of Justice for Hire, and like what's the difference between traditional martial arts and mixed martial arts and that sort of thing? Uh, well, in in terms of working with the professor and, and training with him and training under him, uh, it, it just shows me how, how all martial arts are linked. You know, all these disciplines, they're, at the core, they're all, um, they, they all have a, this incredible through line that is uh, very much based in awareness, sensitivity, and a, uh, a strong spiritual base, in all honesty. And with um, with Justice for Hire, with the characters, we use the characters as, as a vehicle for a lot of social commentary, um, but including you know for martial arts. But JFH is uh, you know it's bigger than simply just a, a martial arts 
comic book or, or or any particular um any particular style of martial arts it's a, you know it's an action action adventure storyline but you know it's heavily influenced by the martial arts so you know with justice for hire we we've uh, centered it around two generations of heroes the fathers and the sons um uh, the original Ebony and Ivory, who during the first season story arc are retired from the retribution industry. And uh, the retribution industry, for those who don't know, is, is uh, an industry in which you can hire any person in the world, uh, any retribution team uh, across the country and use a hometown to execute your form of justice on anyone you want anywhere in the world. So these fathers started this industry. They were vigilantes and they got it legalized. Uh, to to give something more to their sons, in part to give something more to their sons to, to leave something behind for them, and the younger Ebony and Ivory are have basically become pop star media whores, even though they've raised they were raised in the the traditional values of martial arts of honor, respect, humility, and all the virtues that are at the core of any true discipline. And the sons have evolved the father's martial arts forms from a fighting standpoint, but they've lost a lot of the core principles that, that make the art of fighting a, a spiritual journey uh, in favor of thin fortunes. So as you see in, uh, in season one and in the upcoming completion of that story arc, the repercussions for the dilution of the, uh, the moral center of the martial arts is, uh, becomes apparent and in the, uh, and what happens to the characters of the, the younger uh, the sons. So, you know, all, all of this is based on you know, my perspective, dad's perspective of uh, you know, dad being the co-writer of um, what's happened in martial arts over the last few years with especially became especially apparent in the rebranding of the UFC in 2005 and all the media hype that's taken away attention away from the profundity of the, uh, the fighting arts that are being mixed and merged and evolved. And, yeah. you know, a lot of these pro fighters come from great traditional backgrounds, and, but the media highlights the violence and the glory of it and creates this perception that that's all there is to it. So, you know, one of the themes of Justice for Hire is the balance of evolving the martial arts with the new generation and the virtues of the elders. Yeah, that sounds great. So now, um, so now, you know, in terms of the idea of utilizing that and, and bringing in, you know, kind of ultra-realistic action, like why is realism so important uh, with martial arts when you're doing it in, com- in comics? I mean, like, John, or when, as a comic reader, when you see bad martial arts portrayed, does it stick out like a sore thumb, or, or how important is that realism as- aspect? Um, no, I don't think uh, you, you have different styles. Of movies and uh, uh, different stories and um, different directors. So it th- depends what the director wants for his movie. Then you get over the top, you see, or not. So if you're doing, a, uh, let's say, uh, if you watch a Chinese movie where people are flying from from building to building, <laughs> the story it makes sense for that story. So it's not over the top because in in the Matrix they they, they have that ability. Yeah. So, is that unrealistic? No. If you watch the, the, the Marvel characters, they're bulletproof, you know, whatever. <laughs> it is, they're superheroes. So, but when you, you talk about uh, 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 normal human beings, but they have uh, the, the techniques, the knowledge of the martial arts, so I think you got to do what the story asks. So that, that's my whole point. So I don't think there's bad. The bad happens when you have a, a movie where it's, it's about common, common people, they have some skills, and then they, they beat up 30 people, and, uh, you know what I mean? Fly yeah. over buildings, then it doesn't make sense. It's over the top. So keep it real for the story. So 
The guys are not uh, superheroes, but they have uh, the martial arts training. Right. So, uh, absolutely. Five, and go ahead. No, no, I, I was just agreeing with that. The, the just the, the absolutely, these guys are not superheroes by any means. Um, you know, the, the, the style of choreography uh, that, that we're really going for, uh, we branded as ultra realistic action, and you know that that just comes from from us watching these old uh, 1980s Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and Yan Bu uh, Kung Fu films, and saying seeing how these guys are doing so much street fighting in these films, they're doing their own stunts, they're taking hits for real. Uh, and you know that they're not um, they're they're not doing anything that that a human can't necessarily do in terms of the the physicality. You know, Jackie Chan, of course, has this, his great stunt team, and they uh, they augment some of the the impacts and and uh, you know the stunts are are crazy and over the top, especially as, as the '90s came and and uh, you know up to today. But those 1980s films really had this this incredible style that. Uh, that we look at and say, hey, look, why don't we? We don't see that in American in American cinema very much, and why don't we take the the, the fun and the freedom of the um, of of this movement of this this very realistic, but also there's also a flair to it, uh, type of action choreography, um, you know, where the guys aren't necessarily doing quote unquote kung fu, you know, they're incorporating boxing, they're they're, they're incorporating kung fu, they're incorporating. Uh, Groundwork and and uh, you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Sambo, you know all these different styles and and uh, you know we want to make it as the professor said earlier, uh, incredibly entertaining but also realistic. So there's a, a delicate balance and sometimes we, yeah. we touch on that over the top yeah. side, but we we, we want to touch that realism as much as possible. Cool. So so now where you know so you guys both being you know heavily involved in martial arts as well as entertainment and things like that. Where do you see martial arts and um, going and evolving through the next couple of years? But whether it's in comics or films or games or UFC or that sort of thing, uh, kind of professor, where do you see the future of this? Look, uh, yeah, you have trends that you can uh, you can uh, observe. For example, a few years back, you had nothing. With martial arts content, but nothing. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, you had when uh, you start in the '90s, where like uh, uh, Chuck Norris is the only one. He's doing Walker, Texas Ranger. And, you know what I mean? Using yep. martial arts. Then you had uh, Van Damme. He came and he kind of died down a little bit. Steven Seagal had a big impact, but kind of went took a, a turn somewhere, <laughs> and there was a big gap. And you, you would only find on smaller movies, B-movies. Yep. The martial arts still going, but in the mainstream, nothing. So I think it, most definitely you started now in the, in the 2000s. Of course, if the popularity of the mixed martial arts became mainstream and uh, is getting ever bigger. So you started with uh, David Mema doing Red Belt yep. in 2007. At the same time, they did uh, Never Back Down. See, they launched uh, Never Back Down first, but uh, Mehmet was the first one to start. His, uh, the, his process took longer, you know? Never Back Down came after, and, and la they launched after. Yep. Their timing was that. But. So, and after that, you had, and it keeps coming now. Then you had now, uh, what's it called? Uh, I forgot the title of the movie. Sorry. 
You know what I mean? The, the warrior, you know, the, the, the two brothers. Oh, warrior, yeah, warrior, yeah. Yeah, warrior, warrior. Then you have now Gina Carano doing movies. So, in uh, in people from the from the martial arts community working movies, that increased a lot. So you have like Randy Couture still doing one movie after another. So it definitely changed. So I think we, we that's the new beginning of uh, it. But it's far from the peak. This thing is gonna go. So I think every year more and more more and more martial arts moves are coming. It's great. It's going to increase, I think, so much. It's become a huge market, you know, for, for a good. I think it's a new cycle starting, actually. No, I, I totally agree. In the beginning. <laughs> and just just to add to that, I mean, absolutely, we're, we're right at the beginning of this, and, and uh, you know, I, you know, Ron, I've been running around with Justice for Hire for, for a while. You know, I'm a born and raised martial artist, and, you know, JFH has been like my, my like baby since 99, uh, you know, since high school. So, um, it, you know, going, running around with the project before it really manifested in comic book form, running around uh, to different studios and sitting down with executives and, and hearing, hey, there's no market for martial arts in the summer of 2005. And then November 2005, uh, you know, the, the UFC reality show hits and, and all of a sudden, uh, Ultimate Fighter, and all of a sudden it, there is a market for martial arts. And, you know, we've been, we've been evolving the Justice for Higher Property for a while and, and the world and, and uh, you know, looking at what's happening with, the, with mixed martial arts, not just in, in films, I think it's slowly trickling into the uh, you know, mainstream, obviously slowly trickling into mainstream uh, fare. But, you know, I, I look at the, the martial arts film, the potential for the martial arts film industry in terms of the mainstream to be very similar to that of the horror film genre where, you know, you, you have these horror films getting made for, you know, budgets of 7 to 10 million bucks a pop that, uh, you know, come out any time during the year and they have a built-in audience to go to see it. You know, the UFC is the same type of thing. I mean, the, the, any given time during the year, you have, all, all year round, you have UFC fights coming on pay-per-view that they, they sell out there, you know, they generate so much money. You know, when, when we actually tap into creating films for that audience, um, and, and you know, and attracting that same audience to go see these films, you know, we're going to have a very, very similar genre to to the, this horror uh, picture genre. And, you know, these films are going to be. It doesn't cost a lot to put somebody in front of a camera and throw some kicks and punches and do some some you know jujitsu, as long as the story is really cool, and the characters are you know relatable and hopefully fun, and you hopefully take something away away from it. I think that the um, a martial arts film industry is really going to be on the rise. Uh, and, and we're already seeing that. So yeah. I, I'm excited about it, especially with Justice for Hire. Great. Well, it sounds super exciting, and it sounds um, like it's going to be interesting to see it evolve with the comic and the motion comic into the live action and that sort of thing. So um, very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Professor and Jan. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Beautiful. Thank you, Rod. So that was John Machano and Jan Lucanis talking about mixed martial arts. And up next is the comics legend Neil Adams along with lead animator Zach Shelton. I'm here with the legendary Neil Adams. How you doing, sir? I'm doing just fine and dandy. Excellent. And we're here along with Zach Shelton. How you doing, Zach? Hey, how are you? And Jan hey. Lucanis. Doing good. Cool. Hey, hey. So uh, we are Hello, here... everybody out there. <laughs> We're here today to talk talk about the future of motion comics and specifically about the uh, the Justice for Hire motion comic and kind of what went in with that. And um, to get things started, uh, Neil, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, because you've been a strong proponent of motion comics and animation, what is the difference between a motion comic and traditional animation? 
Um, well, in the case, let's just talk about um, the the piece that we did for for Marvel uh, Gifted, mm. which was an X Men uh, uh, series of six books. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a motion comic as well as being a graphic novel. The the big there are many many advantages and very very positive things about motion comics. The first is, let's just say you do a comic book and you really like the comic book, and somebody's going to do animation on it. What they're going to do is they're going to take it off and adapt it. You know that word adapt. It's sort of going to be sort of the same story that you did, but. It's not, because 15 other people are going to get their fingers into it, and they're going to do it their way. A motion comic is very, very different. A motion comic is, let's say you do a comic book, or not, you know, you can do it separately and just do the motion comic, but you're do, you have your artist who draws the pictures, and you have your writer who writes the words. Now, what you do with a motion comic is you take the pictures and you make them move. Um, uh, in this case, we took the pictures exactly as they were, and we made them move. We didn't have 15 uh, animators in Czechoslovakia try to interpret the pictures. We used the actual pictures. So the pictures that you see in the motion comic of Gifted are the drawings that were drawn by the artist. The words were recorded from the graphic novel or from the comic, originally from the comic books, so every single word, and that, this isn't a religion. You don't have to do every single word. Everybody does it a different way, however they want to do it. But you can, in an ideal form, record the words with actors so that the writer's, the writer's words become part of the motion comic. You hear the words instead of read them. So in the ideal motion comic experience, you can read the comic book, and then you can turn on your uh, television and watch the same comic book move with the same art and the same writing. So you're having that experience again. It's not an interpretation or an adaptation or a live-action film based on the comic book. It's the comic book moving. That's a very different thing. There has, this form has never really existed in the history of mankind up to now. So we're dealing with a new form. And in that we're dealing with a new form, really the doors are open. You can you can say, well, I don't care how Neil Adams describes it. I want to do it this way or I want to do it this way. It's a very free and open form. We have not seen the scratching of the surface of this form. We have no idea where this is going. But And it's also a toy for creatives. You know, you can be a an individual and make a whole motion comic, just like you, you can draw a motion comic or draw a comic book. You can be an individual because the tools that we have for doing these things are uh, high school level and, and, and elementary school level toys, and they're getting simpler and easier to use all the time. That is not to say that a certain skill level isn't invited, welcome, and better, but kids could take their own comic books that they read and actually scan them and make mo their own motion comics out of them, have their friends record or and do all these things because the tools are available in a, in a, in a middle-class household to actually do this. So we're talking about our, an art form that can spread to the people, an art form that can, be, that can have many, many variations, an art form that is for the individual creator to do or, and in whatever way he wants to do, seeking whatever success he wants to seek and interpreting it however he wants to interpret it. It's amazing as a form.
Yeah. Very cool. So, so, so now, so now what are, so in terms of, you know, like you said, there are these tools that are accessible to a lot of people. What are some of the techniques that you guys are using that, that to create your motion comics? Um, is it just, you know, scanning in the comic artwork and Photoshop or like, how are you guys making these motion comics come to life? Who wants to talk first? <laughs> uh, I can um, go into a little bit of that. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, so some of the tools, I mean, it's not really scan, it definitely scanning the, the original artwork, but really a lot of the, the, the magic of motion comics is um, taking the comics and separating the artwork. So if that's the character from the background or prop, it's still going back in and then redrawing those backgrounds. Um, and we're really trying to make it look as seamless as possible. Um, you know, um, it's also, since you're working from such a, almost kind of a, a restrictive place and that you're, you're working with a single piece of artwork, um, it's really trying to, to push that movement and then push the, the, the emotion, the, the narrative of the story um, as much as possible. Um, okay, so uh, what, something, and something we definitely worked really hard on with JFH was um, since it is a martial arts based right. comic book, really taking these, um, the uh, the choreo- choreography that Jan and his martial artist did and really trying to communicate that weight and the action and the realism that's really inside of that comic book that's from the beginning. So anyway, what gets done is you basically scan the stuff in, and in Photoshop you cut the elements apart. Then you go ahead and add material, add backgrounds and whatever that the artist hasn't put in because he just drew a still picture. And then you give it to the animator who can use After Effects and other programs to animate it, to move it around, and to do various things with it. Some of them crude, some of them ugly, but some of them very sophisticated. And then you go ahead and you record a soundtrack, and you lay the the soundtrack to it. In advertising, they call these animatics. Uh, They've been using them, uh, and it's one of the reasons why the technology has moved forward. They've been using them and making fake commercials for easily 30 years. Easily, probably more, 40 years. Uh, What you do is you take drawings, you cut them apart, you make them move. Originally they did them in film, then they did them in video, now they're doing them on computer, and... Uh, it's the more time that goes by, the easier it is to move these elements around. You can you can find in your computer steam. So if somebody's drinking a cup of coffee, steam can come out of the coffee. You can make a, make an explosion by even stealing an explosion uh, in animation, or you can take an explosion by or take an explosion that's drawn and make it enlarge very very quickly, and then flop it back and forth so it has some movement, and then gr- grab some elements and pull them off. These are all the tools that are available on the computer uh, who have, you know, who if you have enough money to go ahead and get After Effects and the various programs that, that you want to use. Then at, it's sort of like, you know, when you're nowadays, kids are doing these things, these kinds of things in classrooms. They're, they have these presentation programs that can slide things around and move things and pull in type and all the rest of this stuff. We're talking about this stuff as adult material when the fact of the matter is that this is now kid stuff. And so, and, and at the same time, you can, you know, you're on your computer and somebody goes, oh, what's this? Hey, there's a program that lets you do this. And so you go get it, and very often you get them for free. 
doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> guys just want to, you know, expand the, the medium. And so you take that and suddenly the thing you could, oh, I want to close the door. Well, I can't do that. Well, guess what? You can. You can grab that door and you can close it. You can open it. Uh, it's so amazing. Uh, the materials that are available on the computer, that you know, it almost beggars the artwork. You know, the artwork is uh, going to have to come up to a standard uh, that allows it to be to be animated. You know, there's, a, there's this uh, the fight between uh, artwork that can be animated and the ability to animate it because the animation is moving ahead very, very quickly. And it makes it very exciting. Also, you know, you have this thing in a comic book where they say, oh, the thing that's so great about a comic book or a novel, let's say you read a novel, is that you hear the story in your mind. Or let's say you read a comic book, you fill in the spaces between the panels or on the old radio shows, you visualize it in your head. There's a certain contribution made by the reader. And there's this, uh, and there's this uh, conflict that's, uh, that's coming up that's going to be part of what we do, and that is, oh, guess what? We're taking the reading of this comic book out of your hands, and we're now making it part of the experience. So we're telling you the story. We're pacing it the speed that we want to pace it. So people say, well, you know, I don't know if I like that. But then again, you, you're watching movies all the time and television all the time, and they're pacing the pictures for you when they do that. So what's wrong with that experience? Well, I, I can tell you one of the things that happened with us uh, when we were doing Gifted, and that was that uh, we would show uh, a segment, you know, uh, a comic book's worth of stuff to people who came to visit, and we could only do that on a very limited basis because Marvel was very, very closed-door, closed-mouthed about it. And people would, and, we, and one of the things I did was I put, I put people in a room, and I'd run the video, and i put the graphic novel on the table, and, of course, being in the, the kind of business we are, everybody knows comic books in our business, so they knew the comic book. They knew Gifted uh, by Cassidy and uh, what's his name? Um, Whedon. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so they would watch it, which, which is a totally unique and new experience, and they would see a gag or they'd see a thing that happens, and they'd reach for the graphic novel to see if that was there. Or that we added it, or we did, you know, something, or is that something I missed when I read it? And then suddenly you go, oh, because now what we're doing is kind of reading it for them, and we're putting in the things that the writer and the artist could only imply just slightly. Now we can show it. For example, uh, my favorite example is the. Uh, uh, Kitty Pride is, uh, comes through the wall. She's up on a stage. They're giving a speech, and of course, she's wearing casual clothes. And there's the uh, uh, Emma Frost is there giving a speech, and she inter interrupts Emma Frost's speech. And Emma Frost has always got one costume on or another, or another, displaying her breasts to their best advantage. So she, <laughs> she turns to Kitty Pride, and she says, "Well, late again." And uh, and uh, Kitty says uh, says something like. Uh, well, I, I, I didn't have much time. I had to put all my clothes on. And you cut to you cut to uh, Emma, and she's taking a deep breath, and you see her breasts rise. And you go, oh, that's what she meant. Well, when you read the comic book, you kind of breeze over that moment. Okay, but in the video, you go, oh, she's talking about her, that Emma Frost is half-clothed all the time. I get it. So you get to extrapolate, you get to expand on a gag that was done. And uh, even in the, in, in, the, in the project that you guys are doing, 
you can slow down the you can do something in slow motion and have a body tumble through the air you can make an explosion really count whereas in comic books it's just this little line drawing there's so many little things that in comic books you can't really focus on you can't do anything with and uh in, in your your project uh you can see how the how it becomes a combination art you know you're your the artist is doing this, but then we're adding to it, and we're adding this to it, and that to it, and a punch, and we're adding a power to it. Suddenly, it becomes a different kind of reading experience. At the same time, it's the same story. It's quite and it's quite remarkable. Cool, very cool. So, um, so uh, Jan and Zach, you know, in terms of ta- you know taking all these kind of you know opportunities with motion comics and things like that, how has you know Neil's work with motion comics and things like that inspired your approach to JFH um, in ter- in terms of developing that motion comic? Uh, well, with um, you know, my dad was a, a comic critic for a while, and then wrote with a uh, with Jim Shearer at Defiant Comics, so. Growing up, Neil was uh, one of my dad's favorite artists and definitely a household name. And what he did on Batman, The Brave and the Bold, and and Green Arrow and Green Lantern, uh, especially Green Arrow and Green Lantern in terms of the art and the social commentary and introducing uh, so much diversity in in his art, um, there was so much along the lines of of what what we do with our books in general with Creative Impulse and uh, justice for hire in terms of making making fun action adventure stories for the global community. It just made so much sense uh, when Dad was writing the the Justice for Hire original comic script, um, which was based on my my short film coming out of film school, uh, to approach Neil and and uh, uh, with the JFH you know, project. And that was back in '05. And and uh, Neil, if if you remember this, like you know, Dad came by Continuity Studios and. Uh, you know, Neil put together a couple of sample pages for us and, and uh, for Justice for Hire, and it kind of blew our minds uh, what he was doing with it back then. And, and, uh, you know, right, I'm kind of sorry I couldn't be part of the whole project. It, it kind no, of it is, but I, well, I did get to do a couple of pages for you fellas. No, I know, and it, it was, it, it's still, you know, we still have the, the, uh, the thumbnails of them and, and, you know, look at them and they're like, oh, wow, this is great, you know, kind of geek out a bit. Um, but, you know, you went on to, to focus more on the directing side and what you did with, uh, you know, Astonishing X-Men Gifted, uh, which was already one of my favorite uh, comics, uh, the, just that, that six-issue storyline, what they were doing with uh, uh, the, the X-Men re-envisioning them was, was just so cool. And what you did with that, with the Assassin X Men, was just revolutionized motion comics. I mean, everything that I was watching up to that point, um, you know, I don't want to name names of any of the projects, but they, nothing could compare to it. And it it really made motion comics, in in our opinion, it made it a viable art form uh, for for taking our, our vision with Justice for Hire and and saying, hey, look, you know, we can. I mean, it's exactly what you said. It's an animatic for for um, for the cinematic cinematic experience that you're trying to convey in the comic book. And a lot of times things can get overlooked um, or not necessarily conveyed to the reader that the, the way that you want them conveyed. And just seeing what Zach and, and Melissa, his, his partner at Willow Road Animation, have done with uh, the Justice for Hire animation, it's, it's, it's just taken so many moments that... Uh, 
that we felt were glanced over in the comic book and, and highlighted them and, and gave us the ability, uh, you know, and, and, and from the directorial standpoint, uh, on my side, just the ability to really take these, these small moments, take the action, take the, the, um, the characters and, and bring them to life in a, in a, in a new way that's, that, yeah, we are on our side adding some 3D animation here and there that's not in the comic book um, to, to get across uh, some of the cinematic pacing, but it's yes, still... But I, mean, it's, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that you're free to do, and that's what's so wonderful about it, is that you can bring all these skill forms into the project that you're doing to add and, and make it better and better. I don't think the I don't think the viewer criticizes that. I don't think they say, "Oh, yeah, I don't want any three D animation in my comic book." They, they're, <laughs> they're they're in they're into they're into the experience. I mean, we when we did uh, when, when we did Gifted, uh, which seemed like yesterday, um, one of the things that uh, people point out to me and I remind them of, but they don't, I really don't have to. But when um, Kitty Pride. Uh, uh, these Colossus brought back to life and she gets all like all emotional people say that they actually get emotional when they watch it and they you know, they get a lump in their throat with the response of one character to the, to the other like are you know are you a a, fix, a figment of my imagination or are you a dream or whatever it is because if you're not you know I'm just going to kill you and that and that moment makes you go oh gee we're making a movie my goodness, and when I read that in the comic book, I, you know, yeah, I got it, and it was emotional, but it wasn't like this. And that's really what you can bring um, as a director to the, to, the picture, to the story, and that is to use all these tools and not be afraid, uh, and so that the audience can get that sense of, oh, my God, this is a new form. And that's the, sort of that's the message. The message is that this really is a new form. It's, it, yeah, it's a comic book, but no, it's something else. It's really uh, significant to how we tell stories. I mean, after all, uh, it takes <laughs> they spend hundreds of millions of dollars on films, okay? And when you when a couple of guys sit down behind the computer and they start moving things around the screen and suddenly a punch is a punch and a character flies across the screen and smashes into the wall and bricks come flying and you go oh my god I I, I can't go out and shoot that you know on a because I can't find a but I can make it happen here what else can I do and suddenly it's an entertainment a medium that's for people to to interrelate to in ways that you were never able to do it before it's not this army of animators it's not it's a, it's a far more personal uh, experience and it's uh, very very enjoyable i you know i love the failures as well as the successes i think that they just move the thing forward it's like a i don't know if you guys saw the black panther uh, motion comic stuff yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. and the fir- and the first part of it is fantastic, and then later on it kind of dwindles away because it's not as good. But that very first part, you know, with the arrows going and all that stuff happening, you go, "Oh my God, this is great! <laughs> I want to see this stuff." You want to see this stuff? It's another, it's it's another medium, and we're drawing people into comic books. I mean, comic books are taking over the world, and we're doing it with other forms. I mean, think of what what's happening is that you have comic books becoming movies, television shows, motion comics, 
yeah, there used to be animation, but yeah, Bruce Tim, I can take just so much Bruce Tim. Love Bruce Tim, but you know, they've had to simplify for the sake of doing the animation. Here, we don't have to simplify. We can take a complicated drawing and find ways to animate it. We don't have to take out the lines, we can leave in the lines. So we don't have to say, oh, it's a it's a sacrificial form. You know, you can't uh, uh, take all that, all those lines, and animate them. Guess what? You can. There's programs that allow you to do that. It's funny. So, so now in terms of how you know motion comics have evolved, and now you know that we have you know the internet and computers and TV and all stuff like that. Wh- Neil, where do you see the best kind of viewing experience for motion comics? I mean, is it something that's designed for the TV screen, or do you eventually see a motion comic portrayed in a theater, or best through a web browser? Where, how is the viewing experience affected? Well, if if Marvel had their wits about them, I think they could get gifted on a cable channel. Suddenly you got, suddenly you got a comic book. Here's a, and understand, we've got new people uh, doing new things. Jan is an example of that. We don't. You're not stuck. Jan's not stuck, and the, the younger people are not stuck in this old style of doing things, which is like a, you know, and an old style can be ten years ago. He's it, not stuck in the 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 nature of uh, of not being aware of how to do it. Marvel, for example, much as I love the guys at Marvel, was it was like pulling teeth to get them to get their act into doing this. We had to show them sample after sample because all they were doing was promoting their comic books on their website. They didn't realize that this was an art form. So in that, they didn't realize it. Remember, a comic book company thinks this way. Comic book company makes a comic book. They know they have to solicit it three months in advance. Okay, and then when it comes out, it's really not going to be a success unless in the first week it's sold out. Because if it doesn't sell out in that first week, then the retail store is going to lower their order. Because that's just the way they are. This is the standard of the business. So they'll lower their order until they can get it sold out in that first week because they don't want to have it sitting on the shelves. Okay, a motion comic can come in a package, a video, or you can sell it lots of different ways. It can last for a year. Two years, it can be around for forever, because it's a product that can have other means of exploitation. Suddenly, um, gifted is appearing on a little thing that somebody's holding in their hands on the subway, or it's on a it's a pad that you have a, a book that was that used to, as little as two years ago, just show you black and white type. Now suddenly you can watch movies on it. Uh, television cable channels are expanding uh, exponentially. And so you have all kinds of what, what it, um, I could wake up tomorrow morning and somebody say, hey, did you see the new cable channel? It's only motion comics. And <laughs> that's all they do because there's so much product that's beginning to be done. This is the kind of thing that I look forward to. And where is it going to end? I don't see, you know, I don't see end uh, as part of the sentence. I think this is just the beginning, and we're going to see what's going to happen. I would not be surprised if a year from now there was a cable channel that showed only motion comics, <laughs> because I think that's it's the most exciting format to come. The problem, the problem with doing something new and different that people haven't seen before is that everybody goes, oh, that's interesting. They don't see into the future. They don't say, hey, what can this be? One of the problems of my life is that 
I do the new thing, and then five years later, everybody goes, wow, isn't this great? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody discovered it. Wow, this is cool. It's like, no, no, it was cool five years ago <laughs> when we first did it. You just didn't know it. Hello? Knock, knock. It's very hard to wake people up to something. When we were doing Gifted, I mean, Marvel was very resistant against it. Everybody talked about it. They talked about, oh, we'll promote the comic book with it. They tried to do it. They tried to do it at Marvel, at Marvel Comics. They tried to do the first chapter, and then they gave it to us. But we're experienced doing, experienced doing this for advertising agencies. That's really continuity's business. When you come in, we have an office. How many artists do you know have an office and a studio? Well, the reason we have an office in the studio is that we're doing animatics all the time for advertising agencies. And I know this is a good medium, a new medium, but when I took it up to DC and Marvel, they were like, looked at me like, you know, like uh, 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 Raggedy Ann and Andy with big button eyes. You know, what do we do with this? Uh, it's a, f oh, guys, please. This is a, th okay, so anyway. <laughs> We're trying to show it to them, and they're like looking at it going, well, I don't know what we can do with this. Wow, this is kind of interesting. So why don't you try it anyway? Finally, we did, a, we did a couple of Frank Miller pages and blew them away. Then we showed them how characters can talk. Oh, you can make them talk. You can make their mouths move. How do you do that? We weren't thinking about that. I know you weren't thinking about that, but I've been thinking about that for 30 years <laughs> and doing it for advertising <laughs> trying to tell you you can make their mouths move you can make their eyebrows raise you can make them do all this stuff the tools are here it's easy to do so they were working on something so they it was the x-men that gifted and so they said hey you know what somebody I, I don't know who made the decision um i think i think i know who made the decision said would you like to do this gifted and carry this job on so we did the first uh, chapter in under three months, okay? And it would moved all over the place. I mean, you saw the first chapter. Yeah. The explosions and things falling. And it's really kind of primitive animatics from our point of view, but it was very exciting. They had worked on that version that had the same stuff, only it was unmoving. It was like sliding photographs and stuff, and they were doing little effects. They couldn't get the characters to walk or to do anything. And they had worked on it for two years. And, I, and I'm trying to tell them, okay, you don't, go, you don't go to people who don't have the experience, who haven't done this, and try to get them to do it. You go to people who have done it. Just happens, coincidentally, that one of the guys in the comic book, book industry that has changed everything from the day he walked in happens to run a studio that does this all the time. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Wouldn't this be a good idea? Hello? And so they finally went, oh, okay, fine, go ahead and do it. And then they were, you know, they got blown away. And then they started to hunt for places that did this sort of work for advertising agencies, for uh, corporations, for different people who did this, or even guys with computer, two computers in their closet. Hmm. And then suddenly the comic book guy started, oh, hey, let's try this. So now everybody's kind of just discovering it and starting to make product. Do we know what's going to happen? Well, I can tell you this. We're going to be making some money. We're going to be making some money on this baby. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be making money, and we're going to be in an adventure, and a lot of us are going to have trouble, and people are going to be a pain in the ass about it. But in the end, we are at the beginning throes of a new medium. 
and it's exciting as hell. Right. So, um, so, uh, so in terms of, you know, aspiring creators or aspi- aspiring comic creators or animators, stuff like that, you know, you guys, you're, you're there in the trenches, you're doing it, you're, you're trendsetting. What advice, uh, Neil and Zach, do you have, and Jan as well, do you have for, for any um, up and coming folks who are interested in doing motion comics or interested in doing comics themselves? Well, first of all, learn to work on the computer. Find and find and get people, artists who know who know something about animation. If you can, try to get good people involved. Uh, they don't have to be incredibly talented, but they have to understand the medium. Keep your keep your overhead down. If you can, work in your garage. You know, don't go renting offices and spending money and, and blowing it, blowing your wad because. You are not going to, it's not going to be easy. We're starting, this is a new media, sort of like young uh, comic book publishers. Don't think you're going to make tons of money right away because people are going to be slow in accepting it. And focus on doing a terrific job and an interesting job. And and also this, it's, it's really it's really hard to get artists involved because, you know, artists want to draw comic books. They don't want to be, they don't want to think. Hello, you got to think about this. You, you have to think about it. There has to be that kind of thought press. So you need somebody. See, if you can get an artist who's also interested in the computer, that would be terrific too, but he also has to be able to draw well. Then, of course, get a good story, which is standard for the business, and, you know, there are a few good stories there are out there. So you get a good story, you get some good writing, you get a good uh, get a good artist who understands the flexibility of, of the medium, what it's possible to do, and experiment while you're doing telling your story. Then try to find a place to market it. And you know what's going to happen? It's sort of like you throw 50 guys at, at 50 doors and, and sooner or later one of them opens, and that's how it works, and then everybody shifts over to that door. Sci-fi channel, maybe there's, maybe there's cable networks that will run this stuff. People, there, have to be, there has to be one guy in the team who's so nuts that he'll go and visit anybody and show them the, whatever kind of crap they're doing until somebody goes, hey, I don't have to run that, and then build that into something. It's not easy, but the but the payoff is going to be better in some ways than comic books. Comic books, you know, we know comic books don't sell well, and they're trying to find their place. The comic, the big comic book companies are competing with each other to do big projects, but convincing somebody to drop, you know, uh, two hundred bucks every week on a comic books not so easy. Right. Uh, when you know you can be watching television and seeing the same stuff, and sponsors come on and pay for it, wouldn't that be nice? So there's so many doors with so many combinations of locks on the doors. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you how because I'll tell you the truth. I'd be doing it if I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you what the path is because I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm that guy that's out, you know, in front of everybody, and the and the mountains are dropping rocks on me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, don't go that way. There's a, there's a mountain with rocks, and there's a swamp over here, so don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answers, you know. Like, yeah. and I'm about to get knocked off by any one of them. <laughs> so, you know, the the thing is, the, the thing is that you can do this stuff, and you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be like a money maker right away. You can find out how to do it, and then kind of team up with other guys and try to put a, a, a piece together. Yeah. I mean, you guys working on uh, working on this project, it, you you know how hard it is. You know, you take all your spare time, and people get mad at you because you can't you can't go out on a date. You know, you're just a jerk who stays by his computer all the time, <laughs> and you're 
weekend is blown, but it's all, you know, part of, you know, becoming, doing something that's significant and fun and important and, and also money-making. In the end, and I'm, I'm not even promising you success, I see the possibility of success. There's a new interrelationship between the forms that's beginning to develop from comic books to motion comics to film and television. So we are, we are, those of us who are aware of it are going to be involved in the process of making entertainment from beginning to end. That's, that's fascinating. That interesting. That's great. So, um, so Jan, so to tie this back to Justice for Hire, so what are you doing in terms of, um, and, and with the Justice for Hire free for all event to kind of help promote uh, this kind of creation and creativity? Well, I, I'm still pretty Jen taken just Neil's standing there going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Neil's took us to a different place. Yeah. Like another place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Make some appointments quick. I want to show you. <laughs> well, I would just tell fans to, um, I mean, first of all, if, if you listen to Neil again, I mean, just rewind it and listen to everything he said again on this uh, on this podcast, but... I mean, for um, for the Justice for Hire free for all. I mean, you know, go to graphically dot uh, com slash comics, or go to iFanboy, or, or just you know, go to the the JFH uh, Justice for Hire Facebook fan page, and and you know, we're running our uh, the JFH free for all event on there, where uh, you can see the the new Justice for Hire motion comic, uh, read the new issue number zero, uh, part two of which uh, will, will be out uh, next week, or at least by the time you hear this, probably. Um, and and download uh, assets to to make your own motion comic that are right on the page, and uh, you can get free uh, free Crazy Talk software from Real Illusion, which is how we make our our uh, mouths move. How how Zach and and Melissa work with the uh, at Willow Road work with the the comic book art to to make the the heads uh, you know, somewhat 3D models and, and um, give them expressions and the ability to change the expressions on the Real Illusion software is key to what we're doing. And, uh, you know, other artists that, that aren't necessarily into motion comics but want to draw and do pencils, inks, colors, I mean, everybody just come and check out the uh, the event and, and you know, post some work on Facebook and, and there'll be a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, views from the fans and, 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 you know, Neil and some of our other celebrity uh, guest viewers, including John Machado and uh, Ahmed Best, and and more, and yeah, just come and join the fun because we're we're doing some uh, some ass kicking stuff. Right. The other thing, the other thing that's important to to mention there is that graphically uh, that's presenting this is a new young company, and it's a new young company that wants to see this stuff that will be first to present it. You know, you get the old stodgy. Uh, people already that are saying, "Oh, this is how you produce. This is how you present a comic book." Well. Not necessarily. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure that graphically is going to be a, a, a trailblazer when it comes to presenting this kind of product. Um, so keep your eye on graphically. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. So, cool. Great. Well, thanks so much, guys. This has been great. It's been excellent to hear from uh, Neil about the motion comics and to hear what you got, Zach and Jan, some more about what you guys are doing with Justice for Hire. So everybody should go check out uh, the Justice for Hire free-for-all event. There will be a link to it in the show notes for the show. But um, thanks, guys, so much for your time. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. 
And a big thanks goes out to everybody involved in this podcast, Neil Adams, John Machado, Zach Shelton, and Jan Lucanis. And if you're curious about Justice for Hire, check it out on Graphically. You can read issue number zero for free. There'll be a link in the show notes to it. And also check out the Justice for Hire free-for-all event where you can show off your animation skills and you could win some pretty cool prizes. Um, there'll be a link to the free-for-all event. You just uh, sign up on Facebook. You can download the assets, do your animation, and Neil Adams will judge your work along with Ahmed Best and John Machado and a whole bunch of other great folks. So definitely check out the Justice for Hire uh, free-for-all event it's pretty cool if you're into that sort of thing uh so until next time i'm ron and enjoy your comics Damn. Yes, all over now. Damn.